Alright, and welcome to the Counterattack Podcast. Happy Friday to you. I'm joined as ever by Richard Woodall. Rich, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Doing well, sir. And Mr. James Big. Happy Friday to you also, Devang. Thank you very much. On the ones and twos, Mr. John Noon. Fellas, an interesting week in the world of footy. Um, had some Twitter mentions, some emails being like, why aren't you guys doing the podcast? And Which is not how we hear you necessarily. No, <laughs> no. I'm not saying all of... Devang doesn't speak for all of I'm not that. saying you all sound like that, but the majority of you do. And, and it's rare uh, that Marge Simpson actually right? contacts us. Right? Homer, yeah. Homer. <laughs> Um, no, much appreciated. It's nice to be liked and wanted, and uh, our fans... Certainly it doesn't happen in our personal lives. Of course no, not. No, we get in no. our professional lives. It's it's important. No, I've, I haven't been invited to a family dinner in some time. No, so I'm repellent is, to most people. Right? Yeah. So this is all we got left. Anyways, thank you so much. Uh, so we thought we'd give you some footy, footy talk on a, on a nice Friday. Yeah. Very interesting week, and I guess we'll start with the Manchester Derby. Manchester City is the class... Of the north e- northwest, correct. That's northwest. Well done. Three 0 Eden Zeko filling in for Sergio Aguero scores twice. Uh, I think the game went how we expected it to. Yeah, t- right away. In right fact, forty five <laughs> seconds in, yeah. City could have scored three times maybe inside that minute. It's funny that uh, the bubble that I think grew in some people's heads about the idea that maybe this was the moment that you know it's a derby match, and so it's a cliche that in a derby match anything goes, and, mm-hmm. and you know there'll be something to. To build on the the previous two results. Nope, that didn't happen. Yeah, the Schadenfreude was strong in the office that yeah, day. Yeah, it was a bit... Yeah. Uh, kind of reveling a little bit in, you know, United's downfall. And, you know, one of our colleagues said, you know, it's one thing that United is suffering. It's another to see City being so good during the same period as well. Well, right. if you remember, too, um, obviously it was a much wide, bigger result, but the, the 6-0 mm-hmm. um, uh, City win. And that, that, I don't know, that generated at least a media, or like a month or two of media coverage I guess maybe obviously because of Balotelli's shirt celebration. There's a lot going on, but, you know, it's like kind of telling that this time around it's like, eh, all right. Mm-hmm. The natural yeah. order of things, then, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I just, just, I guess, the, the way Man United imploded, and not just on the pitch, but so the Fellaini Zabaleta elbow, and now apparently Fellaini spit on Zabaleta, and the FA will investigate that. But for me, always it was, it, you know, these details come after the fact, but it's clearly they were frustrated. But to me, what was astonishing is the first five minutes of the game where just City just were walk, r- running through them like just they were training. And, I, and I, thought, I thought United did well, actually, to get to the break only down 1-0, and the game wasn't completely over yet, and then it slowly was right after mm-hmm. I mean, just the differences in speed and setup mm-hmm. and precision it was just remarkable. Like, and I, I don't know, David Moyes, a part of me does feel bad for him, but starting Tom Cleverley in a match like that kind of begs the question, what are you doing? Well, yeah, I mean, someone else, I saw a lot of that on Twitter as well, saying, you know, why wasn't Fletcher in place? It seemed Fletcher, who, who had played yeah. fantastic the past two games yeah. as well. Um, so I think the most jarring aspect of this all, the United collapse, is just the way that their fans, and I think the club is handling it. There's reports of Alex Ferguson being heckled in the stands during the game. For Classy. It. What's he ever done for that club? For choosing Moyes. Uh, there's a banner that's going to be flown during tomorrow, Saturday's game against Villa, which says, uh, the wrong choice, oh. Moyes out. Just a complete shit show. You know, for a club that's enjoyed a lot of success in recent years, you have one down year. And I'm, I'm not saying it's it's wrong to act out and be mad because you're a fan. You're a fanatic. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. That being said, for a fan base that's enjoyed so much good in the past decade plus... To really just melt down the way they have, it's pretty pretty interesting to watch from the sidelines. Yeah, I think, uh, I guess part of my problem is the idea that you can't, like I've been, you know, I've waffled from time to time on Moyes, but I'm kind of thinking at this point, there's just not really evidence that 
you know, th- to my mind, that there's a really significant improvement. Maybe this idea that, like, you'll make the right acquisitions in the summer and everything will change. But I've seen that happen before. Mm-hmm. It's not always a recipe for success. So, uh, um, but at the same time, I think we can say these things without also reverting to, like, childlike behavior, including hiring a <laughs> The thing is, it's like the board is not necessarily... Uh, against the fans on this issue. No, no. You know, if the board is seeing that, that Moyes is putting the future of the club in, in jeopardy, and I think one season is not enough. I think if you were mm-hmm. to calculate, if you wanted to look at it in strictly monetary terms, I think one season out of Europe is not going to devastate, you know, uh, Man United's, you know, worldwide commercial brand. Um, so, it, but at the same time, it's not like the board isn't going to make make movement on this. Of course, so, yeah. So the idea that you need to resort to these idiotic tactics is just silly. Because it's of, silly. And even if they end up making a change, even if it is in the summer, which again, like you, Richard, I don't think it's enough time, and I and I don't expect them to. To be perfectly honest with you, they're not going to do it now. Oh look, there's a plane in the sky. Let's fire <laughs> yeah, oh, him. Shit. Like, <laughs> I wasn't quite sure yeah. when I saw that yeah. plane. Yeah, the, and I the knew. other thing is too, and maybe I'm wrong as a fan. Like, what was the? There was like the famous. Uh, what the relegation day when they the, the plane the tro- I can't I can't remember anything. <laughs> there was like, it was like a Wigan troll or something. I can't remember. Was that recent? Yeah, it was like. Two I think I remember. Ago. I think One I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But the thing is, is that no one expected it. It was like a surprise, and you can't have this huge build. The shitty part, yeah, we yeah. all know about it already. So yeah. it's almost like, all right, where's the plane coming? Uh, it's interesting that you guys think that he he will survive because uh, it's I think it's expected Man United is going to spend quite a bit of cash in the summer, mm-hmm. almost because they have to. Do you think they trust Moyes to spend it? I think they will, and I, I don't think they have any any choice in the matter. I think they'll sit it out now. What's Moyes' contract? I'm trying to remember now. Is it two I want. Years? I want to say three years. Three years. Yeah. So you're looking at a substantial payout anyway if they decide to get rid of him, and then there's the cost incurred of bringing in a new guy because you can bet they're unlikely to be able to go for someone who's out of work because they're going to have to pay compensation to that guy as well. I keep thinking that maybe you know if, if was Moyes was to go, would they go back to Everton? Would they look at Martinez and see what he's doing oh, there? God. Oh. I mean, how pissed off would you be as a Toffees <laughs> fan if that was to happen twice in a row? Someone uh, on the Twitter, and I'm, I can't remember who it is. This is me, man. I Holy shit, Rich! Anyway, the Twitter, the Twitter. Um, yeah, the Twitter. Anyway, he, uh, um, I think his name is Avanov. Anyways, he did this statistical look at um, uh, Man United's home and away form, and mm-hmm. their away form is apparently um, just slightly below par with what it was under Ferguson last season but, but at home form has been really really terrible they've already lost six times yeah, yeah which it's is ridiculous is do, do you know how bad the home form is Norwich has a better home record than wow. Manchester United this year wow. so this strikes me as something that maybe is not necessarily a true indicator a, a true of, indicator of, of the quality of the team or the possibility of the team improving mm-hmm. under Moyes obviously you know at the same time you can look at the other side of that and say well if it's a confidence issue that's when it's going to show up at home when they should be winning games at a place that used to be invincible for Man United and by no means is it a quick fix but they've been going through the season with a pretty haphazard back line where yeah. Rio Ferdinand and, and Vidic is on his way out but Ferdinand has no business playing so anyways it just lends credence he's to also Rio Ferdinand's also afraid to leave his house because <laughs> football fans yeah. and everything associated with football is madness well what was insane. it uh, former score alumni KJ said on the, the TSN broadcaster he said first of all if you've got Rio Ferdinand playing in your back line in 2014 you've got a problem right that's just that's, it's true that's yeah. exactly it it's true uh, from one disaster to an, uh, one that's going on right in front of our eyes, uh, Arsenal, after that 6-0 drubbing at Chelsea, thought things could not get any worse. Started very slowly against Swansea. They were down 1-0. Lucas Bedolsi comes on, generates two goals in two minutes. All is well in the world, except it wasn't. Matthew, Matthew Flamini's own goal sent Gooners back to the ledge. <laughs> I think... 
I'll, I guess we'll go around the room, but my only question is, is Arsene Wenger, I, even if he doesn't win the FA Cup, is he still here next year? I don't know, man. It's, this, this is your club. I mean, I, I haven't heard any chatter that I would... Uh... Uh, I would sort of take seriously. I wanted I wanted you guys to go first because I was going to go on a bit of a, a, rant. a rant. But I might well, as well just. I might I mean, as well what, just... It's whether they should. I don't know, but I think it's less likely. If you'd have said that to me at the start of the season, when there was a lot of bedwetting going on around Wenger and you know the, the three one Villa before, and yeah, and before yeah. Ozil joined and everything else, I, I, then I thought it was an overreaction. Now I'm starting to see more of a longer term malaise, I guess, setting setting in. Um, it's looking less and less like I'm less sure than I was six months ago that he'll be here. I would say there's a reason that the contract extension hasn't been signed yet. I think they jumped the gun when Gazeta says it'll it would get done at the Puma press conference. I think that as much as Arsene Wenger, what he means to this club, and he'll always be one of the people that we cherish the most, the time has come. Mm-hmm. I think tactically he has shown an inability to adapt to playing the bigger sides in the bigger games, especially away. They conceded 17 goals in three games against the top three teams this year. It's madness. Mm-hmm. If I, in the perfect world, Arsenal wins the FA Cup, he gets his last trophy, he's able to leave, and they have someone fresh start. But there are too many things that that trouble me and other, other Arsenal fans that I know and I speak to. At some point along the way, they made Arsene Wenger bigger than the club. Mm. To the point where now it's almost like you can get rid of him because you're kind of... And it's like, look at Man United... Look at what happened to them now. Well, he's been there so long too, right? It's impossible not to say that he's had an enormous influence from top to bottom. From, you know, For sure. But it's a different... The game is different. The play is different. The money is different. The way things work is different. But this is this to me is the fundamental question, and I think too few clubs, at least those in power at, at clubs, don't ask it before they make these decisions. Okay, I agree with you. Arsene Wenger is... You know, at one with what people consider Arsenal to be. It's it's like the George Graham days. You know, it's mm-hmm. like one nil to the Arsenal, mm-hmm. boring, boring Arsenal. And now under Arsene Wenger, it's you know, pass it in the net, Arsenal. It's been that way for since you know right. the, the early knots, even before then. So um, the issue is, is what well, what is Arsenal about after Wenger just departs? What aspects of the the Wenger approach do they keep? Uh, do they you know, do they solidify that this is going to be the club philosophy? And then if so, who do they appoint in that position? Or is it just going to be a situation where... This is my thing, though. I don't... And a lot of other sports and hockey comes to mind, especially when a new coach comes in and he wants to implement his system without looking at who he has. It's bullshit. It's actually insane. Yeah. If you don't look at who's on your team and be like, you know what? Here's what I have at my disposal. We'll play this way. You're insane. My thing with Wenger is there is... There's other things, like the fact that Arsenal's injury problems are no longer it's a small sample size thing. This has been going on for at least five to six years. We're missing four to five very key players for long stretches of a time. Mm-hmm. And whether that's training or methods or the backroom medical staff, something is seriously wrong there. It could be fatigue too. I mean, yeah, you talk about squad depth and, and what have you. I, mean, I know RVP's personal trainer who's a bit out there and he's gone out on a on a ledge on Moyes before about how they train, but he said it himself. The way Arsenal trains is archaic. They're yeah. still doing things like it's in the the mid nineties. Which is fascinating when you think how what what a revolution Wenger caused himself when he came to English football and yeah, transformed don't eat everything. Garbage <laughs> <Right>. play better <laughs> football. And now we were talking about him in archaic terms. It's uh it's it's disappointing, it's sad. The form speaks for itself. Uh City on the weekend. You know, this is the kind of game Arsenal wins though, because the pressure's basically off. Fourth place, that's the question. Eh, they'll they'll be fine. I they'll get fourth, fine. but 
They're not far off though, right? I look they're at not. And, they, and, they, and, you beat, and you beat a team like City and you never know. But there's if you look, at, you look at that team, you look at the injuries and you tell me, you think even with Aguero and maybe Silva out as well. What I think is interesting, and, and I saw you have this debate on, on Twitter as well, about, uh, you know, it's uh, Arsenal sort of, their, the criticism they've seen this week has been that they have a one-size-fits-all fits all approach against like opposition. And unfortunately, that means that they're, they're not able to do things like maybe play a little further back and, and defend deep and then try and strike on the counter. That's just not the Arsenal, mm-hmm. Arsenal to way. Go, to go into Etihad and Stamford Bridge and play the way they did. Yeah. Madness. Yeah. And very few other man, modern managers would obviously do that. Um, so that's one issue. But then as the guy pointed out, it's like, well, it's also the, the you know, there are clubs that, that end up coughing up big results in a year, but they make, they get all the points and that's from the true. smaller that's results. True. And, then, mm-hmm. and, and he made a very good point. He did. So... So I think it's whatever. It's a two-edged, two-sided coin, blah, 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 cliche, cliche. But, uh, um, you know, at this point, it's just the, the, the consistency, the sameness of the Arsenal performances year mm-hmm. after year. Just good enough to qualify for yeah. Europe. Just good enough to make the knockout run of the Champions League. <laughs> just good enough, just good enough, just good enough. For the love of God, please get that trophy. Well, yes. if they don't, oh my goodness. Because speaking of Twitter as well, right, you, Arsenal fans have not been able to tweet about winning a trophy because Twitter was not invented the last time you won a trophy. <laughs> and not even that. Like, the the barbs and the disses are getting real low, low rent. Like, this is like the Dane Cook level of comedy school coming out with a trophy joke. Oh, as, so. a, as, as opposed as to before a, when Piers Morgan led the true. conversation. Yeah. Anyways, it's a good segue into uh, another uh, one of our other topics. Paul Scholes was on Sky Sports uh, doing the pun entry alongside Gary Neville. A lot of people were, were taken aback that a, uh, a normally reserved uh, camera shy Great Manchester United, great was so open and great and very honest, forthright on the broadcast. Among the things that he said, the most controversial: Arsenal's a million miles away from winning the title. They have no leadership. Jack Wilshere, uh, and I quote: Jack Wilshere came on the scene and what a really top young player he looked, but he's never really gone on. And now he needs people like Patrick Vieira next to him to take him to the next le- next level. He doesn't have that there. You, uh, it was interesting watching Gary Neville sit beside him because Gary is going on that plane to Brazil with Jack Wilshere. So even though Neville has also been a bit of a revelation in terms of punditry, he is kind of hamstrung when it comes to England's players because he has that relationship with them mm-hmm. as one of the staff. Do you think, I, I guess the question is, the schools and James, you described it as that guy at the bar that you that you just <laughs> talked to about yeah. punditry. Is that like the way forward? Are we done with the, the kind of pseudo BS? Like, this is what I see... Here's how I deal with, like, here's how my take. I think there's a place for both of them. And I, I really like Gary Neville as a pundit simply because he does analyze the game properly rather than st- sitting there and t- talking you through a goal. Oh, look, there he is. He's crossed <laughs> down the right and then he's coming and headed into the goal. <laughs> Stuart well, Robson, Stuart Robson. Right, yeah, Alan Shearer, name any, you know, pick any 10, <laughs> basically. He actually takes you through it. He'll, he'll point out runs that have been made off the ball that otherwise, you know, laymans like myself would not have noticed. The, the, the contrast between him and Skulls was interesting because it was like literally they'd brought some guy. If you didn't know Scott Paul Skulls <laughs> was a legendary Manchester United player and a fantastic England footballer, you, he might you might just like mistake him for a, an Arsenal fan or a Manchester United yeah. fan or just someone who's been brought in to have their say because kind of the opinions he um, I uh, put across were very much almost like yeah, like I said, you sat in a bar and you're chatting. Yeah, what's wrong with Arsenal at the moment? Why aren't they struck? Well, you know, Wiltshire hasn't progressed as a player. They're missing people like Patrick Vieira. They've got their soft now. They don't. Play play the right way 
There was no real analysis like backed up into a particular. <laughs> it was just kind of like a, a rant. Like, I, I kind of and, enjoyed and yet, it. And yet you saw g- g- Arsenal fans everywhere nodding their head in right. agreement, being like, Is, are we really agreeing with Paul Scholes right now? And he was bang on. But this is the thing with uh, player pundits now, is that the bar has been so, <laughs> so low right. for so long that someone shows up. And I agree. Like Paul, <laughs> And someone said he was dressed like his the first day of public school. You know, like It's true. Like He had this sort of like Ill, ill-fitting suit on and the, the sort of pri- public school tie. But uh, but at the same time, it's just like, and I, I, I was, you know, I, I watched the sort of take on Arsenal and I was impressed enough by it to write an entire post on it. Maybe it was a slow news day. But, uh, <laughs> but I think that, you know, it's just nice to see, you know, an ex-player who doesn't, uh, I mean, I love Gary Neville. I actually really think he's one of the better um, uh, player pundits out there. But th- I think uh, there's a tendency, uh, not necessarily among Gary, necessarily, uh, but some other pundits to like really overdo the sense of like expertise in every situation. And I thought that... He was like withdrawn. He didn't like. He was pressed on whether, whose fault it was. Like that's mm-hmm. always the yeah. million dollar question: yeah. Is it the player's fault? Is it the manager's I, uh, fault? I enjoyed the Fellaini. He's like, you know, if you spend uh, right. twenty five point yeah. twenty seven point five million pounds on someone, you'd expect him to score some goals. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know what? That's not yeah. fair. <laughs> Keep it simple, <laughs> and that's true. Yeah. It was. Uh, I think watching Nev, Nev's face when <laughs> Skulls was talking about Wilshire, though, you could tell he was <laughs> like, like, oh, oh shit. god. Well, that's yeah. awkward. Paul, for... you're screwing me over here. Yeah. That's the only thing I can see like holding someone like Gary Neville back is because. Because he's got that kind of you know vested interest in other in other places, like because he's on the England coaching mm-hmm. side, it's very difficult for him to come out and ostracise or be very critical of any players that are going to be getting on that plane to Brazil because he don't want to be saying something outrageous about. But this is know. ridiculous to me. I mean, this isn't. It this shouldn't. Isn't, no, and I don't. I don't think football Jack will, is not an important thing in no, the grand no. scheme scheme of the world. But it's crazy but that as, you get think, an England man at like. But England as we've as but we've, egos are very fragile. Exactly yeah. as we've come to discover, people care a lot about the press they get mm-hmm. in any fashion in any walk of life so yeah it is what it is uh, final topic be- final topic before we get to some quick fire questions Bayern Munich runs away with the title in the Bundesliga before seven games left and they've already won it first question can they do the uh, the treble can they win the Champions League and the yes, German Cup they can yeah. They can, and they probably will, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And I think Manchester United, what better team to go into Old Trafford and take the heart out of Manchester United and stomp on it for once and finally just end them, end their misery of what has been a, just a catastrophic year? It's going to be Champions League euthanasia. Basically, think, right? Pretty much. Pep Guardiola standing with the severed head of David Moyes mm-hmm. in the center of the pitch. Holding it to the crowd because that's who Pep was always after all these years was the Everton Everton manager. Uh, And I guess the second question, which might be a bit controversial, and uh, I saw some dissenting opinions: Is the Bundesliga a joke? Because sometimes, so. no. sometimes it feels like it's a bit of a joke. I think that uh, I can understand why, because obviously the you know uh, Bayern winning in March, uh, and and on top of that. Uh, you know, Schalke and uh, and Bayer Leverkusen's slightly less than awe-inspiring performances in Europe uh, probably add to that perception. Um, I think this is not a good year uh, to sort of make make too many uh, mm-hmm. sweeping judgments. And, and the fact that Borussia Dortmund half more than half their the squad, squad is has in the been, hospital. Yeah, they, they are, are they are in, in the, the IR forever. You so. could make. I was saying to Devang today, one of my post ideas to do best injured eleven, and I'm sure half the team <laughs> would yeah. be coming off Dortmund. So insult to injury, Lewandowski can't even play in the first league against Real Madrid, <laughs> right? For a yellow card, so right. just to have a year. It's been that's fair. And you know what? It speaks to how great. Bayern Munich has been this yeah. year because they are by far the class of, of Europe right Be- now. Best ever, some right? are suggesting. Right? I think Bayern is doing things that um, that other teams 
in Germany probably can't financially abide by, obviously, but I think it goes maybe against the German grain, which is packing a squad full of amazingly talented players. Seba- even- I believe Sebastian Schweinsteiger has won seven Bundesliga titles, yeah. and he's not even 30 yet. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And when you think about <laughs> Schweinsteiger, sometimes you're like, oh, does he start every game? Because right? they have so many... Like, Bastion Schweinsteiger, it's crazy. crazy. So rather than the, the obscene hot take, I think it's fair. It's been a down year for a bunch of very good clubs in Germany, and Bayern Munich's just that good. So the Bundesliga is not a joke, but just a, just a weird year in Germany. It's an amusing anecdote rather than a joke. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. All right, before we go, uh, I asked for some questions about uh, from, from Twitter and email guys. Hook us up. A lot of MLS questions, which was... Oh, uh, was oh, bravo. Oh, great. Great. <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, the first question is actually one that kind of I think we can all touch on, but what does Jermaine Defoe's transition to MLS say about the quality of the league? Jermaine Defoe threw two games as three goals. Does it say anything? It says that it's too early to say anything mm-hmm. because three goals in two games is very impressive. Um, I think it's, you know, and I, I think the nature of the two goals <laughs> in Seattle in particular may be a little, <laughs> right. uh, you know, a little little skewed. Um, but uh, but at the same time, it's way too early to say. I mean, he could have, he could score in the next five games and then we can definitely talk about it. Um, even then, I think, uh, I, I actually think Defoe was still probably good enough for the Premier League. I agree, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I was really surprised when he seemed to kind of slip through Tottenham's grasp so e- so easily. And I've said it before in the office, I would, would be happy to see him on the plane to Brazil. More than happy, even now he's moved to the MLS and there's some question marks over, oh, the league's not of high enough quality. I don't care if he's smashing in goals, which he's doing at the moment then you, you want goal scorers in form. It's not really a, so much a case as to what higher level they're playing at. He's proved it in the Premier League. He's proved it at the international level. He's been out of the country for less than a month. If he's scoring the goals, let's get him on the plane. Can I can I put out a theory about Defoe and yep. then you can see if it's dumb or not? But maybe it's a situation where Defoe, you know, he's an English player, England national team caps, so he comes with that English premium. Tottenham, you know, they're moving on. Um, they obviously they may not want to overpay for for a player who's, who's that old at this point mm-hmm. in, at this point in his career. And other Premier League teams, whereas maybe pre financial fair play, they would have been willing to take on a player like Defoe, pad pad the bench a little, are now saying, nah, well, he's going to get a lower price. On comes you know MLS, they pick up the slack. Um, obviously, he's getting paid a lot, a lot of money. So I think Defoe may be probably um, underrated. Uh, just based on the circumstances of his contract and his move to, to, to MLS. I, I, I think there's no doubt that Jermaine Defoe could score 15 to 18 goals for Crystal Palace mm-hmm. if he had went in January and, and maybe save that team from relegation. The problem is, financially, it just yeah. didn't make any sense. No. Um, I'll say this about MLS. It's def- the league is getting a lot better, and you can see it on a week-to-week basis. The one part that is lagging is that I think defensively there is there's a lot of work to be done. I think Defoe's eyes widened like a, a school a school kid getting candy with that first game when he saw how much space he was afforded against Seattle being like, what? Like, this what? is a good lead to be a fox in the boxing because mm-hmm. the amount of for turnovers sure. it's, in MLS it's, it's, relative it's, to Europe is right. crazy. Mm-hmm. So, and that makes for more exciting football and especially for a poacher like that, this is this is a dream for him. Uh, it's funny, I was watching Robbie Keane play against Real Salt Lake on the weekend as well and Robbie Keane, I don't know if he could still play at the highest levels in Europe but like he reminds, I think Defoe is... He's watching Robbie Keenan. That is the blueprint. Mm-hmm. Still got pace, and the finishing is—it's always been there. Yeah, and he can—he can definitely devastate this league with that ability alone. Think of Danny Dicchio, man. It's the same. Right? Da- well, when Danny right. when yeah. Danny Gubermans was healthy, he was his goal rate was was incredible as yeah. well. So, yeah. uh, second question, a lot broader, and uh, we keep asking this question, but now that we have three teams left, put it out there. I think the 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 harder run in is Chelsea's, but who's going to win the Premier League? 
Oh, God. I'll say Chelsea just because I think Mourinho... The, the, when you're in a situation where you have a few games left... Something, and I think and this is the, this Arsenal game for Chelsea and Liverpool. They are the biggest gooners you'll mm-hmm. find this weekend because this is basically it, I think, in terms of City dropping one of those those extra game points mm-hmm. there. So I said Chelsea at the start of the season merely because of the Mourinho factor, and he knows how to he knows how to do what Arsene Wenger can't, and that's win ugly. But I'm really rooting for Liverpool at the moment. The funnest team to watch. And it's we were told by the mirror that we're supposed to support Liverpool <laughs> as, as, as neutrals. Not right? the Sun, obviously. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> the Sun told me to go fuck myself, actually, yeah. really? for reading the paper, because yeah. no one with a brain cell should be reading it. But that's, <laughs> yeah, you just look so. at the pictures. Yeah. yeah. Page two. Uh, I think before the season, we all said... We all said City or Chelsea, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we did. I don't think anyone said Liverpool. I can confidently no. say that much. And, and, that's, and because of that... I would like to see Liverpool yep. win, and it's it'll be nice to see them back in the Champions League. I think it'll be good year. just because of like it's just kind of awesome. Like first year, and like Alex if you look, Ferguson left, it's like Liverpool yeah, right? are right back Bam. on their fucking perch. You know, like that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, and also and, Steven Gerrard too, right? Had such a great career, phenomenal footballer. You speak to many professionals who've played with him, and they've, a lot of them will tell you he's the best player they've ever played with. I'd love to see him get a Premier League title. I think that's the missing thing in his career on his CV. Also, two sure. strike. Strike the two strike and Daniel Sturridge left on the scrap heap is now I think the fastest player to re- to record thirty goals for Liverpool in club history. Wow! Really? Yeah, and that many really games. Yeah. So, well done. Uh, final question, and it's a bit of a uh, an abstract one, but how important do you think uh, U.S. successes at the World Cup for MLS as a whole? I I feel like this is the tournament where you're going to see the majority of that that U.S. team formed from. The, uh, the 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 backbone of that team will be formed by MLS players, and they have the best team they've ever had. And if they can get out of a group with Germany and Portugal, you're looking at a bit of a renaissance for that league. Where it's like, you know what? Yeah, Michael Bradley. Yeah, he can play anywhere. Kyle Beckerman. Yeah, he's one of the best players in the like not in the world, but he's one of the best players of what he does. If it's- they get out of that group. That is a huge success story. On I think own. on it, yeah, exactly. And if you look at, and I think the idea is, if you look at them against Germany, it's going to take a bit of a miracle. You look at them against Portugal, Cristiano Ronaldo could win that game out of nothing. Who knows? The problem with that is, is that you know, I think there were years when, when obviously the Portuguese national team was progressing, and and you know, the, the, you could arguably say that the core of that uh, team was in the Portuguese Liga, which is like, nah, I don't think that there was a, much of a sort of follow through on their popularity after that and then uh, um, I don't know it's any number of examples sometimes Holland is a little more Eredivisie of, you know heavy in some years than others so it can go either way it's I don't a, know if it, it translates I think it will, what it will do is it will definitely um, give MLS boosters something to, to, to hang on for to. sure and I think it's a, it's kind of troublesome that the US is kind of pulling what other nations have been doing in terms of uh, getting guys like Julian Green to sign on. It's guys who have barely lived in the U.S. at all, but they have the ties. It's interesting that mm-hmm. they were able to do that. But Well, that's Klinsman's whole thing about Europe. And, and that actually, to me, is the really interesting thing, is that it could go the other way. And that's, the and US, that's it, right? If the U.S. has, like, obviously I think they'll get a bit of slack because of the difficulty of their group, but if they have a really bad tournament, you know, the counter-argument could come, well, they're playing MLS, then the whole thing about the lack of promotion relegation in the North mm-hmm. American League system will come back and the fact that, that Klinsman was so desperate for, for European based uh, US eligible players will come into the conversation again so it could real, really backfire too unfortunately it's going to be interesting to watch uh, just a note stay tuned to the score uh, in the lead up to the World Cup we're going to have you covered in every which way there'll be a lot more podcasts 
the daily variety as well. So, and uh, mm-hmm. let us know what you want us to, yeah, to do. Yeah, for sure. Because we're, we're uh, democracy. We're working, we're working on our prep right now. So if anything you want to see, any uh, visuals, graphics, sound. We're within reason. Right? Uh, yeah. Within reason. No holograms. Come on. <laughs> That's for 2018 in Russia. Yeah. Anyways, uh, thanks again, guys, for uh, making us do this. Appreciate the uh, the impetus to uh, to do it, and uh, we will see you soon. Take care. Like what you hear? Check out thescore.com/counterattack for more soccer goodness. Check us out on Twitter too at rwiddle and at decide event.